It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe. And of course, our show handle is on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Appreciate you joining me today. And it's only me. I'm going to go solo on Friday. Doug Branson helped me try to make sense of everything that took place with the draft. Apologize for that episode getting out later than expected. It was just some scheduling issues, but we were able to get that out there. Apologize that you had to wait for those. Going to try to get this one out a lot earlier today because free agency starts in just a few hours as of when this recording is happening. We're recording about noon. I don't know why I'm saying we. It's just me doing this all by my lonesome. Hopefully, Nada will be able to join me tomorrow as he's traveling right now, but he's coming back today. So again, hopefully he can join me on a Tuesday Recapping possibly some moves that the Hornets decide to make in free agency. We'll get to a rumor from Jake Fisher of the Bleacher Report reporting that the Charlotte Hornets are not expected to pursue any more centers in free agency. They made the trade for Mason Plumley. They've got like four developmental centers on their roster right now. We'll talk about how big of an issue that could be going into next season. But we've got to talk about the decisions made by the Charlotte Hornets and Mitch Kupchak on the qualifying offers, or lack thereof, with a couple of backcourt players here for the Charlotte Hornets. They decided to extend a qualifying offer to Devontae Graham, less than $5 million to do so, the easy decision. Because Devontae is a great decision maker, excellent assist to turnover ratio, a really good shooter, off of the dribble, even catch and shoot. Hovered around 37% each of the last two seasons, but we know the degree of difficulty of the shots he takes. He can nail the open three-pointers. He nails the three-pointers from the corners. I think he's almost 50% from there. So we know Devontae is a good shooter and will really help this basketball team. Defensively, the analytics would point to that he's good. I would argue he's worse than that. But we know Devontae is certainly worth the qualifying offer. John Hollinger, we've talked about this as well. He ran a potential contract offer through the board's projection, right, with the S being the money sign. And it came out to be about $19 million annually for Devontae. It seems high. I don't think he's going to get 19 to $20 million a year. I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think he's going to get that much. Because when we try to project contracts for a whole bunch of players, it usually ends up being about 10 15% more than what we expect them to get. It happens pretty damn frequently. I expect that to happen with Devontae, but maybe that could be to the tune of anywhere between 15 to 18 million on the high side, and I would be okay with bringing him back on that type of deal, even though, of course, 15 is what I think is more closely related to what his market value should be. They decide to qualify him. We'll see how it goes down from here. He's a restricted free agent. Other teams could look to get him, and if they do and they present him with an offer sheet, the Charlotte Hornets would have to match that. So let's say that the New Orleans Pelicans, who could be getting him in a potential trade, or just whatever team with cap space decides to present Devontae with a $15 million a year offer sheet, he signs it, the Hornets would be able to match that offer sheet and then retain him, right? Restricted free agency, we all pretty much know how that goes down. But I just mentioned the Pelicans, and John Hollinger also, we're just going to him. We're company men here at the Lockdown Podcast Network, so we've re- we've referenced Devontae's contract projection. We'll also reference John Hollinger's reporting on this. 
So let's get to all the things in play based on what John Hollinger wrote. This is the reading portion of the program today. So John Hollinger writes this. The Kyle Lowry bone is connected to a lot of other bones in the game of point guard hokey pokey. Excellent writing. And in particular to that of Lonzo Ball. The Pelicans would need to renounce Ball or sign and trade him for assets if they win the Lowry sweepstakes. But if the Pels don't prevail, then it may behoove them to match offer sheets on, on Lonzo Ball. And let's talk about that for a second. Yes, it really does seem like... What would make the most sense is the Pelicans just matching any offer sheet presented to Alonzo Ball rather than trying to move off of him, who is a good player, and you don't want to risk losing him for just absolutely nothing, especially with him being in so many reports at the trade deadline for possibly being traded. And then you just decide to hold on to him only to not offer any money to him to keep him and retain him, retain him and restricted free agency. Either way, let's move on. The team widely expected to drop that offer sheet to Alonzo with Chicago, which can generate enough room to sign ball to a four-year, $80 million deal by waving and stretching the final year of Aminu's contract. But would Chicago still go through the trouble of doing this if it knew the Pelicans are likely to match? Or is the strategy only contingent on New Orleans adding Kyle Lowry? Here's where Charlotte comes in. Sorry for just stealing Hollinger's work and just putting it here. Good thing he is a company man, though. He says this. However, one late hot item I've heard is that a double sign and trade may be in the works that sends Lonzo Ball out to Chicago, not to Charlotte, as he had previously reported. We'll get to that in a moment. And Devontae Graham from Charlotte would still be going back to New Orleans. So Lonzo Ball would be going to Chicago in this scenario. Devontae Graham would be going to New Orleans. It could end up a very complex transaction. So that's where the Charlotte Hornets reside in all of this reporting. Lonzo to Chicago, Devontae to New Orleans. He did not specify what would be coming back to the Charlotte Hornets in that scenario. I don't know if that would be a Daniel Tice coming back along with a Lori Markinen, some kind of combination of Tice and something else. I don't know what that would be. I don't know if it would be anything from the Pelicans standpoint because Steven Adams was constantly a guy that people wanted to salary dump on the Charlotte Hornets, but now he's no longer there. If the Pelicans wanted to flip Valanchunas immediately after trading for him to the Charlotte Hornets, I guess that positionally would make some sense as well. He's only on the books for $15 million, $14 million next season. So maybe that would be the play as well. I just don't know how it's all going to get done. And eventually, I think Devontae Graham stays with the Charlotte Hornets to provide some backcourt depth even with James Booknight having been the 11th overall selection, and especially since Malik Monk is no longer a part of the Charlotte Hornets team, it's all but done after the Hornets decide not to extend that qualifying offer to their first-round pick all the way back in 2017, despite having his best season as an NBA player. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. But first, we got to talk about Built Bar because it's so delicious. The staples that reside with the Built Bar world, coconut, cherry barcia, double chocolate, it's all so damn good. And the limited-time flavors, they're even better. I don't know how they do it. They manage to find a different flavor they send out and feature for about a month's worth of time, and that one's better than all the staples. They're still all healthy for you. Low calorie, low sugar, but high fiber and high protein. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and then use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We'll talk about Malik Monk's lack of qualifying offer from Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets. We'll also get to an alternate universe Lonzo Ball fit with his brother LaMelo. It was a fun, chaotic few minutes that we had when that report was out there by John Hollinger before he fixed it. We'll get to all of that coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets pod. Now's where the angry portion of the podcast comes in. And I know if you're listening to it, 
You knew it was going to happen. You knew I was going to be angry about Malik Monk's absence from this team, even though I tried to talk myself into reality. Because you guys know, if you listened, I had talked about it a million times. Malik Monk wasn't going to return. The exit interview told us that. James Brago and his limited opportunities for Malik Monk told us that. It just did not seem like he was ever going to return to this team this year, especially with Borrego in media availability telling us how much he values Devontae Graham and knowing where that contract would sit, knowing they would also need to spend some money on a center. And I want to get to a couple of things that were pointed out to me on Twitter when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, some of the decisions that the Hornets were going to have to make based off of cap holds held by Devontae Graham, but more specifically Malik Monk, because at the time it was a $16 million cap hold, the previous contract that Malik Monk had on this payroll. But as long as you took care of it first and then sequenced out everything else in order, then you could have had Malik Monk return, Devontae Graham return, and possibly make a run at one of the more higher price centers on the market. I just always thought Rashawn Holmes was going to be too priced out of the Charlotte Hornets market, at least in what they wanted to do. It was possible for them to do so, even with a new extension, offered to Malik Monk in this alternate universe, but I didn't clear that up as much as I would have liked to, right? The cap hold really just needed to be fixed first, and I didn't do a good job articulating that, and I just wanted to clear all of that up before we start to go in on the Charlotte Hornets, because clearly, they should have extended him a QO. I mean, that's just the thing that makes the most sense for the Charlotte Hornets to do. You qualify him, and then you try to extend him, so then you can use the new contract hit to go out there and pursue other free agents on the market. But instead, they renounce it altogether. Instead of just making him a restricted free agent, so then you could offer anything that was offered by another franchise. But now, he just gets to walk for nothing free on the open market. I saw one person tweet out about how the Miami Heat had Malik Monk really high on their draft board four years ago, and that Malik Monk could possibly go down south at about, what, five to seven million is something I saw annually? which is going to be too low. He's not going to make that little money. But even if that's just the starting point, that is a gross underpay for somebody that can come in immediately off of the bench and be awesome for you. Play make, shoot well. Like, people are saying, yeah, it's time for Malik Monk to move on. And I agree for Malik's sake. I agree that it's probably better suited for Malik to go play with a different franchise because he hasn't been given as many opportunities as he should have. Roll your eyes all you want. The thing about, here's the thing about letting Malik Monk walk. What did you want from him this past season? In the 32 games that he played before the injury this season, he shot 46% from the field and he shot over 42% from three. He did all of that while averaging 11.7 points per game, coming in and immediately being a contributor off of the bench. If you look at his per 100 possession numbers, his totals very much so compared to Terry Rozier's. His percentages very much so compared to Terry Rozier's. But Terry just kept getting a lot more opportunity. The numbers that were less comparable was the career huge spike in Terry Rozier's two-point percentage this season. But the year prior, Malik was clearly the best finisher at the rim, and I still think there's a lot there. Didn't go down a ton this season. He was just excellent at it last year. But the free throw percentage has always been good. I mean, even if you want to go down to the last 10 games of the season, when he comes back from that injury... Okay, only 10 more contests for him the rest of the regular year. That's enough to move on from him? That's enough? Especially at the price we're expecting him to get? I mean, let's even include the first four games of the last 10 games that he played. The percentages were still fine enough if you add him on to the last 32. 
Like, hell, you can call me cherry-picking all you want. Let's even just go to the last 13 that he played the year prior. The percentages look very similar to what he did in the meat of this season. 46% from the field. He even shot 35% from three, which isn't great. But then you can add that onto the 42 that he shot through the first 32. Like, what are we doing? If we're really going to look at the last six or last 10 games after his injury and say that's enough to move on from him, then I don't understand why you didn't trade Malik Monk prior to this season. If you don't think that other teams were interested at all, I have a hard time buying that another team wouldn't have taken a swing on a 22-year-old player who actually showed you some nice promise last year as developing in the league. Like, this is a guy that gets COVID at the beginning of the season, self-admittedly said he didn't have his wind back, even though I thought the two games that he played in the preseason actually looked pretty good but didn't have his wind back. Okay, so he plays 22 minutes in an early game against Toronto, comes out and plays well. The next game, he plays less than four minutes. I mean, he makes a mistake, and then boom, Borrego brings him right back to the bench, and he's putting up DNPs. If you notice the times that Malik actually isn't playing well, it's because he's not getting a ton of minutes. Anytime that Malik averages over 20, he's providing you really good offense. And again, I talked about the defensive end always getting better. So if you're the Hornets and you bring back Malik this year, he performs this well when you actually put him on the court, and then you decide to let him walk without the ability to match him or without anything coming in return, then I just don't understand what the hell we were doing. Does LaMelo Ball's presence on this team and his fast improvement and Book Knight's availability just allow you to give up on talent altogether? Why, why can't we keep all of them? Let's just go ahead and keep Book Knight coming off of the bench along with the Devontae Graham, along with the Malik Monk, because presumably you're going to have Terry Rozier start along with the Lamello. Or you could bring back Malik, and then you could trade Terry Rozier a year early and then finally get something really nice in return before we have to pay Terry Rozier something like $25 million a year next season, which I want to be out on. I mean, Terry, hey, tip of the cap offensively improved a ton. The two-point percentage, the, th- the catch-and-shoot, excellent, right? Like, I'm not here to just say Terry's been a bad player, but that's the moves they should be making here. Trade Terry Rozier, get out before you have to decide to pay him $25 million a year, keep Malik Monk on a really nice contract, Devontae Graham on something to the tune of $15 to $18 million annually, then you have Book Knight waiting in the wings to do whatever, alongside uh, LaMelo Ball, your star player of the future, And then you can spend some other money on whatever center. Like, that's the other thing about this. If the Hornets aren't really going to pursue any other centers, then they didn't improve defensively anywhere, including down low. Mason Plumlee is not helping you on that end of the floor. And the trade was fine enough because he was supposed to be a backup guy. Kai Jones, you don't know where he's supposed to be on the floor right now. He's a project. JT Thor is the youngest player, one of them, in the draft. Dude's still 18. I don't think we'll turn 19 until August. Vernon Carey, Nick Richards, clearly developmental guys too. So they have five centers, and none of them I trust on defense. (laughs) I mean, that's who we're going to go in with? That's pretty scary. Unless they decide to go after one of these other centers on the market. But Rashawn Holmes, people expect him to go back to Sacramento after some things that have played out. Nerlens Noel, people expect him to go back to New York after some things that have played out. So if you are still looking at your five and think, man, this next season, where Mitch Kupchak has put playoff aspirations on this team next season, 
and that's your starting five right now, it's Mason Plumley. that's pretty scary. Maybe P.J. Washington is the guy that they put at the five, and that's a positive lineup. I love P.J. Washington at the five. You know how much I like that. But if the whole idea is to put a bigger body out there on the floor to absorb some of the blows that does come to a younger center, then let's get somebody better than than Mason Plumley. If you want to start your traditional big, then let's put P.J. Washington in the closing lineups or with some of the offensive firepower lineups and allow a different guy to come in and absorb those blows because Mason isn't defending anyone. P.J.'s a better defensive center than what Mason Plumley is. And Kai Jones, and J.T. Thor, and Vernon Carey, and Nick Richards. They're all too young. They're all developmental. And it's not my fault for putting playoff aspirations on this team next year. Even though we constantly talked about that's when the expectations come, Mitch Kupchak knows that. He's being real. I'm not hating on him for saying the playoff expectations are going to be here next year, but the center position and what they've done there so far doesn't scream, hey, we're ready to go now. After James Borrego said they've never been happy with that position the last three years, and Cody Zeller is better still than anyone you have on the roster, but we're going to let him walk for something similar that Mason Plumley is going to be getting? And Make it make sense, because I can't. I get the Kai Jones pick to a certain extent, right? I, I get some of this stuff, but as far as the playoff center goes next season, I don't get that. I don't think it makes sense to allow Malik Monk to go, and those are some of the concerns I have about this team and what they've done this offseason hours before free agency is officially set to kick off. It's Locked On Hornets, the podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's talk about Bet Online because it's the fastest and the easiest way to make money. Baseball is in full swing, so make sure you join in on the fun right now. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts promo code locked on we've got one more segment to go let's at least think about what alonzo ball fit would have been alongside a lamello ball ball in the family ball in ball biv devoe we're here for all of it coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast so let's go back to the 30 minutes on Twitter that we all had when we thought there were going to be a couple of Ball brothers here in the city of Charlotte. When John Hollinger put out that report that he was hearing the Hornets would get Lonzo Ball in return via sign and trade and then send Devontae Graham back to the Pelicans. I don't know how everything else was going to shake out. It was Chicago who was also in that three-team trade. But now, since then, we have seen that it'll actually be Lonzo going to Chicago, but Devontae Graham would still be going to New Orleans, and there was no report on what the Charlotte Hornets would get into return you would just use your imagination on that but I did get behind Alonzo fit as I continued to think about it and looked into the kind of player right like already having a preconceived notion of what he was and then comparing him to Devontae looking a little bit closely by the way shout out to whoever asked us that question I believe just like a couple weeks ago about the possibility of a sign and trade with Lonzo coming here to Charlotte possibly in exchange for like a Terry Rozier or something like that I don't know what I said then I mean, maybe I talked about the fit that would make sense. I, I forget how I answered that, but kudos to whoever asked that question because at least it was put out there in reality for a little while. But Lonzo's fit would be pretty good here. And you think about his fit in Charlotte compared to Devontae. Somebody that's bigger. He's immediately the best defensive backcourt player that you have on this roster. Immediately, as soon as he dons the purple and teal and the the teal and the white stripes. Okay, like he's immediately a better defender. He's a good playmaker that doesn't necessarily need the ball 
it's why we've talked about him being such a weird player and how he's transformed from being the pure point guard to being your 3 and D playmaker. You know, he can do more than just be a three-point specialist along with defending. So he's shooting 37% from three each of the last two seasons. The free throw percentage may have been something to turn you off of him as the idea of a shooter, but that increased a lot, almost shooting 80% from the foul line. So I believe in him as a shooter. And Zach Lowe pointed this out when evaluating Lonzo Ball. The percentages are good, despite him having a terrible bubble. And the bubble are included in, in what he was shooting um, in the last couple of seasons. So Lonzo is a shooter I buy into. In fact, the percentages line up with what Devontae has done. Now, he's more of a catch-and-shoot guy. His field goals are a lot more assisted than what Devontae is. So Devontae's still a better shooter, right? He's never had a bad free throw percentage. He's never been somebody that only relies on the catch-and-shoot. He can shoot off of the dribble. Shooting from the corners, Devontae's close to 50. Lonzo's about 39. So I don't want to get it too twisted. I still like Devontae's fit with this team. I would still welcome him back at the right price. But you're also talking about Lonzo Ball, being almost three years younger than what Devontae Graham is, and I think fits really well alongside LaMelo too. If Devontae is going to come off of the bench and run that offense, then Devontae fits better than Lonzo, but you're not trading for Lonzo only to put him on the bench. You know, you're, you're not starting Lonzo and saying, okay, you're going to go to the bench to the tune of something close to $20 million a year. I really like the fit. Like I know it's crazy because you think, oh, it's just a marketing ploy. All this is is just to make sure that we can get some money. It's fun to put their faces on the tickets that you buy. You can get some t-shirts that are really cool. But, Walker, how much does it really make sense on the court? I would say a lot. I would say it makes a lot of sense, even if it means getting rid of Devontae Graham. I would like to keep Devontae, but in this scenario, it's not like Lonzo is a worse fit. And then you would get better defensively. You would have somebody that is a plus. Because that's something that we've talked about this offseason. They have not made any moves to get better on that end of the floor. One, it's generally hard to do that with rookies anyway, playing in their first year. You very rarely see positive defenders. Like, you can see some. I mean, you can have guys that come in with that being their identity. But there are tons of rookies that are bad defenders immediately. But it's not like Book Knight was drafted because of the way that he can play defense down the line. He's not awful, but you drafted him for his scoring. You drafted him because hopefully the shot comes along. He's already really good getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. Like, that's why you drafted him, where the shot comes along, and hopefully he can just be capable defensively. Being 6'5 in shoes, you got some size there, but Lonzo could come in and immediately be a nice connector, good shooter, doesn't turn the ball over all that much, doesn't need the ball in his hands, I think, as much as what Devontae does. The usage percentage has been worse than what Devontae's, or has been less, I should say, than what Devontae's has been. So I like that idea. Look, maybe I just spent a segment talking about hypotheticals that aren't going to happen anymore, and that's fair enough, but it was just fun to think about for a moment. That'll do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Hopefully Nada can join me tomorrow, and then we can recap some of the things that the Hornets have done, get his opinions on the qualifying offers that have been extended and not extended, as well as some of the decisions. Maybe they do have a new player on the roster before the uh, or after I should say the recording of this podcast have a great day we always appreciate your support built bars rockauto.com anybody that helps put this podcast out there into the universe we'll be back with you tomorrow once again a part of the locked on podcast network